So wonderful to be with you. It's a privilege. Um, Every time I show up in Richmond, traveling, the life paths, the circle paths, it says, ponder the path of your feet. In the Hebrew, it says the circle paths, that when God sets you in a place, there's a circuit that he puts you on of people and places. And Richmond is one of ours. Uh, Life paths. Sometimes spiritual warfare says in Job that the angels fought in the heavens by paths, meaning spiritual warfare is to try to keep you from consistent relationship, purpose, and place. We all have divine placement. It began when, in Genesis, when God uh, created Adam, it doesn't say he created him in the garden. It says he created him and he put him, placed him in the garden. And so divine placement is a part of our identity, and it opens up paths, ways, roads, the ways of God. Um, the ways of God is the most used word in the Bible outside of proper nouns in God's names, meaning it matters that much. And so uh, the ways of God have connected us in covenant with this city, with this place, with this people. I first did Bible study in this building in 1991. And I was already a college graduate. We had revival at University of Richmond. Hundreds and hundreds of students being saved and spirit-filled and committing to serve Jesus as Lord and the kingdom of God. And the overflow of that after graduation, my wife moved up. We were not engaged at the time to serve in some churches and ministries with me in Richmond, um, to disciple women, to lead worship. And in that process... um, we began to seek God about the next phase, and we had a number of students from our campus ministry who came for graduate school at VCU, and a number of the younger brothers and sisters of people that were impacted by what the Holy Spirit was doing were down here. So we approached this pastor to ask if we could have a Bible study for students, and he said, sure. He just gave us key. Um, there were some Women who led some of those Bible studies. I would come down once a month, 1991. By 1992, that small group Bible study had grown to 30 or so that were very committed to the Lord and to this area and to VCU, reaching VCU. And as it would be, the uh, pastor approached me and another gentleman and a few of us, and he said um, he was a much older pastor, godly man, integrity. They had started healing services, and they were a denominational background. It was He was a, just really wanting to follow God, and he met with a group and said, I'm going to give you our church and our building. I'm going to give it to you, and that's how this began. He said, uh, all our life, we've tried to reach this area and the next generation, and for the whole time I've pastored, we haven't been able to do it. And so he basically said, if you will care for the small group of elderly people that still meet here, as if they're your own congregation, we will give you the building for the purposes of God. That only happens when God's ordaining something. Of course, they wanted, he was, they kept asking me if I would be the pastor, but God had given us a word to go back and birth something in Florida. So I said, I'll partner with what takes place. And so we gave the building and the Bible study and a group met here for a season. And then they called me a number of years later. Uh, The pastor's wife had passed. He was older. 
uh, I started taking him to Europe, and on, he started coming down to Florida, where we were ministering to him and the passing of his wife, and, and a group of people got together again and called me, and I came back. And they said, we want to give you this church again, and they gave me the keys, and they said, this building is yours, and for the second time, and we began to do meetings, and people just started being drawn. I'm telling you this because it's not just a story. This is the testimony of Jesus, the matchless charm of the manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ draws people together, and, and this has been one of those places he's done that. And in that season of traveling up once a month to minister, as people were being drawn in, God gave us a, a vision to do a series of meetings, to trust God to open the heavens and open hearts, and that he would set per, a person here that would serve these people and partner to raise up team ministry. And as we did 10 weeks of of pressing in and fasting in prayer and guest speakers, and I was to come three in, I invited Pastor Doug for one of those. And what, what year was that that you came first to speak? 98. I can't even, I don't know the math. I don't know the, uh, but Pastor Doug came in after a few visits. He had shared this, God speaking to us because we knew each other. We were doing campus ministry. I was in Tallahassee then. I was traveling back and forth. And he was in Statesboro, Georgia, Georgia Southern, correct? And we would travel to each other's campuses and churches and minister. And then this came back. And then as Doug came, the Lord just connected and put him. Once again, we hand off the church and we hand off keys and we hand, hand off the things. And so uh, it's been a history and a legacy. So when you walk around this building, everything in this building, I, some of it we helped fix and put together. When we started, there were old pews in here. We sat in the pews. They were not very comfortable. Old school. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Those are gone. We got delivered. But uh, there has been prayer. There has been passion for the presence of God to change lives in this place. And more important than the place is the people. And this is just a new season of believing for something on the other side of all that our nation, this people, is going through um, for what God really has. And so I believe in this place. I've groaned in travail for Christ to be formed in this place. We prayed for the heavens to open. We battled devils and, and religious folks and political oppression. And yet there's been generations of older Christians that have handed stuff off to see God be glorified and his purpose fulfilled here. And we're believing for that for this next season, for this church, for this ministry center for the move of God that he wants here. So I want to talk to you about the deep end. I want to shift from the history story um, and what God has done and what he, to some of what he desires to do. Now, I, I minister more in an apostolic nature than, than prophetic. Um, what that means is I speak in ways of God. I speak in history and principles. I speak the wisdom of God. Um, to show you the patterns, to show you the pathways. Uh, quite often the prophetic gives flows in the spirit of revelation, but the revelation and the apostolic moves with the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the word and the wisdom of Christ. It's the same spirit, wisdom and revelation. And so it is a little bit different mode because I'm just going to talk to you about this story of transition of ministry and life change for the kingdom of God that I call the deep end. So we're going to be in Luke 4. I'm going to read this, beginning in Luke 4, 42 through chapter 5, 11. 
This is the story of Jesus calling the disciples, the apostles, the leaders for the next generation. It happens in Matthew 4, Mark 1, and Luke 5. I like Dr. Luke because he gives more detail. You find out what happens from his research of the history to tell the details of the story of Christ. And I think it's a good pattern for where you are, where we are in this nation, this generational transition. So let's go into the deep end. Verse 42, when it was daytime, Jesus departed and went to a desolate place. But the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. But he said, I must preach the gospel of the kingdom and even to other towns and other people as well. For this purpose, I was sent. And he was continuing to preach in synagogues in the area. On one occasion, while the crowds were pressing in on him, everybody say pressing, pressures and pressing into him to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake and he saw two boats at the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, later to be called Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land and sat down and taught the people, discipled them, ministered from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, launch forth into the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon says, Master, we've toiled all night. Man, we've been working. We're fishermen. We know what we're doing. We didn't catch anything. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed, they caught a great harvest of fishes. And their nets were breaking. And they signaled to partners in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, Lord. And he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch, the harvest of fish that they'd taken. So also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the partners with Simon. And Jesus said, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll catch men and women, people. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Abba, give us your heart and eyes. Lord Jesus, release your grace and truth. And Holy Spirit, your Lord of our time, teach us, convince us, manifest your presence, remind us what Jesus said and what this means. We believe in you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Kingdom purposes. The foundation of this is this This church, this spiritual family, this house was never just founded to be a church. It was founded to be a people of the kingdom, a people of ministry. This whole context starts off with, I must be about kingdom business. I was sent for more than just one purpose, more than just one group of people, more than just one place. There are kingdom purposes that we're going to have to yield into as a people to move forward. When we talk about a deep end, that there's a deeper place to go forth into, we're talking about a place of constant encounter with the one true living God, engaging with the word of the Lord, equipping saints for ministry, expanding the kingdom. We're talking about not just being led by the Lord, but being sent. I was sent for this purpose. I was birthed into the planet for this reason. I was brought to Richmond to experience this and receive this and participate in this that God is and God is doing. It's a people pursuing deeper devotion, deeper 
discipleship, deeper deliverance, seeing people set free. It's about ministry being released that won't just be for this house, but for many. The lordship, the kingdom, the clarity of purposes. Spurgeon said it this way, no mortal has fully seen God's glory yet. Yet the divine Holy Spirit waits to lead us to a clearer vision of the deeper things of God. There's an invitation for the deeper purposes of God, kingdom purposes in this season. But when you hear that and you see that, that yes, this is Harvest Renewal Church, but this is a ministry center. This is a revival center. This is a people about kingdom purposes. And so, but in the context of this, like so many times, there's a season of unique pressures. It's enough pressure among the people around Jesus that he began this story by withdrawing to a desolate place, which every time he does that, he's going away for intimacy, for abiding, for union, for, for intercession, for prayer, for communion with Abba. And so the pressure is enough that Jesus goes, I'm not just staying with the crowds. He's living a life of withdrawing in intimacy and then coming back with something upon him and something within him and something to give to the people that's different than what they've had. And so there's this season of unique pressure and the people are pressing in upon him. The crowd's pressing in. The first time he withdraws to intimacy and to prayer, the second time he withdraws and says, how can I get a distance from this to get what God has and the perspective to then give back to the people? And he hops on Simon's boat, puts out and begins to minister off the shore so the people can't crush and crowd upon him. And there he begins to give the word of the Lord. There he begins to minister. Um, And so there's this unique pressure that's going on generationally. The pressure we're experiencing in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, and even in our hearts and homes in this church is a process by which our whole nation, our whole planet, the universal church, The body of Christ, we are all in a generational transition. And there are generational battles that are challenging to say, who is going to prepare themselves and align themselves for the great harvest and, and manifest presence and revival that's right in front of us? Ripe for judgment and ripe for revival are identical in the scripture. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And we're in a place that everything from the politics to religion, to economics, to individuals, to racism and prejudice, to everything's being stirred up because it's generational. But we have a generational blessing and a generational inheritance in front of us to align ourselves for. The pressures are here, but when the pressures come, we need to abide in the Lord. We need to recognize that we don't necessarily grow or receive presence and power because we work for it or we earn it or we make resolutions. It comes from our union with him, from our abiding in him. And at that place, God begins to prepare us. What you find is there's a ministry preparation for the apostolic prophetic move that Jesus is about to launch in the earth that's going to change the history of humanity. And in this, what you find is people hearing the word of the Lord, the word of Jesus, the voice of Jesus, the word of the kingdom, being taught and discipled in unique environments, off nights, different places, different environments. And there's a washing and mending of nets. 
that there's a time that, that, that there's a cleansing, that there's a stepping back, that the water of the word and that the water of his love and, and his grace and his presence can wash us to prepare us for a new season of life and ministry. So it didn't even, it looked like they were giving up for the night and the week on the work of the ministry and the work of fishing. And all Jesus was doing was wait until they were worn out with the way they had done it. So he could carry them forward in the way he would do it with them. And so there's this ministry preparation time. I love this. It says, we've come out of the shallow and dry places to the one deep well. And the truth is at the bottom of the deep well. The well is Jesus Christ. It's the family and people of God who open themselves up. The deep well is of the spirit and the word of the one true living God. And everything else in the planet is just shallows. And so we get to draw from that ministry preparation. But then comes the apostolic message and the prophetic direction, prophetic directives. And the truth is, when, when you get an apostolic word from heaven or that's sending and speaking, or you get a prophetic direction, prophetic word, you don't always have to trust and believe it. You just have to take a step and, and obey it. And so these words start coming, launch forth into the deep, go deeper, go further out. I've got more for you. There's more on the more side than all that we've experienced. There's deeper stuff ahead of us. You know, a study of the depths is a powerful thing. Um, A.W. Tosher says most Christians are satisfied living a shallow life, a religious life, common Christian life without an insatiable hunger and passionate pursuit for the deeper things of God. And so many people are fascinated with some spiritual things in deeper life because their lives are so shallow. He wants to take us into the depths of the spirit, into the depths of relationship, and into the depths of encounter so that we don't have shallow existence, but we can live the deeper things of kingdom life and covenant and purpose. And so there's these prophetic directions that he begins to speak where he says, launch out into the deep and put your, put your nets out. Your connected relationships or the nets, they go out. Your families. You going into the workplace, all of the things that you do outside of this door is putting out the nets. And so there's this ministry preparation, but then the, the prophetic word says and says, I want you to go deeper to get to where I want you to go. Deeper. Speak of the deeper life is a powerful thing. The riches that we have in Christ and in intimacy with him. But it also speaks of the victory that he desires for the spirit-filled life. The seeking of deeper things of God is at the core of it. You know, if you do a, just a study of the depths in the scripture, bathos in the Greek, the deep, the depths, it opens up a few insights of where God would like to take his people deeper in the spirit to accomplish. We're seeing one of them, the reality of our situation. We kind of wake up and hear the burning and see the gunpowder in the spirit and the battles, and people falling by the wayside, and the injured, and the wounded believers, and all the stuff that's taking place. Revelation 2.24, 2 Corinthians 8.2, they speak of the depths of human depravity. We're in a season, it actually says in Revelation, that, that you come to seasons where the depths of hell and the depths of Satan are shown to people. The pit of hell becomes normal life for some. They don't want covenant with God, the presence of God. There are people who want covenant with the curse. They want to feed the curse, fuel the curse, share the curse, spread the curse. 
And there's those who live to break the curse, to free from the curse, to fill with life, to fill with blessing. There are depths of human depravity, sin, Satan, selfishness, suffering, pain, injustice is all coming to the top for people to fight over those things when all we can get is deliverance and healing. There's depths of the revelation, Romans 11, 30. Oh, the depths of the revelation, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his decisions, his wisdom and judgments and his ways past finding out by human flesh. We have to go back to intimacy of knowing him, truly knowing and experiencing him that transforms us from glory to glory to his same image. There's more to know of God in intimacy and identity and instruction and mind renewal in encounters that we have to go further in a revelation of knowing him to overcome the depths of human depravity that surrounds us. What's interesting is there's a depth, Micah 7, 18 to 19, of repentance and forgetfulness and forgiveness. We can't go into the new season with bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. We have to be washed with fresh depths of the power of, of the blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. We have to find a place of, of forgiveness and of reconciliation and of, that connects directly with the unfathomable love, the depths of his loving kindness. Ephesians 3.18, Romans 8.39 speaks of it as depths. We, just, we can't even scuba dive to the depths of the love of God And so in this knowing him and in this outpouring and baptism of the spirit of love that he wants to bring, to bring renewal and deliverance and revival, at the heart of it is forgiveness. At the heart of this is realigning with his will in it. And then there's depths of rootedness in Christ. And I love the depths of dimensions of Holy Spirit ministry. There's so many depths to be found. The Spirit searches even the deep things of God. 1 Corinthians 2.10 That there's a depth of the Spirit that God would have us to open ourselves up to. And so ultimately if we trust that there are deep pits and deep bondages that the sin and Satan in this generational time pulls people into. We need a depth of deliverance from the presence that manifests And from the power and identity that's on us to lay hands on folks and set them free. And so we've been aligned for this. So the conclusion of these ideas is in the principles of influence. How do we get to where, from where we are to living and experiencing these things that God has for us? The first one you see in here is divine partnerships. Peter couldn't do it alone. He had, to give, he had to give the captain, captaining of his own ship and fishing vessel and decision-making over to the Lord Jesus Christ. He had to call for James and John, the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee. He had to call for his other partners to come be with him. And that wasn't enough. What Jesus did with them was too much for them to handle. They had to call for other partners and other boats, the Scripture says. What that means is that this is a season that some of the connections are outside of this gathering. Some of the connections are relationships like we have or that some of you have with prophetic and anointed people from other places that this is a season that those divine partnerships are so important to connect 
for God to put together what it is he wants to take place. And sometimes that brings redemptive realignment where some from other places plant themselves here and some in these places go to others. And so we have to open ourselves up to the divine partnerships and to the relationships. If you want to go fast, the Sudanese proverb says, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And so with those partnerships, we have to look for the relational unity, for the reconciliation, for the ability to grab hands and to do things together. Because in our number is an anointing that we can't have alone. There's no pit so deep that Christ is deeper still. He wants to draw us out of the pits and draw us into partnerships. And we're going to obey the call. We're going to be a house of prayer and a house of worship. And we have to know the Lord in a way that the breakthroughs are astonishing. And so in this, at the end of the deep end, it's interesting to me because I've been going through some of this in this season with the COVID and so many things shut down and having to press into God, the pressures, you, f- you feel the stress and the, and the stuff come upon you. You have to abide in the Lord and be free from the stuff that's out there. But he goes through this process to release them. And what happens is leaders start getting conviction of the holiness of the manifest presence of God, of the fear of the Lord, of, of some things that have to shift inside of me that we've been at a place that we're looking out and we're looking up and we're doing this. And then what he does, he says, when I'm aligning and doing preparation for revival and glory, he does something where at times he begins to deal with us in our relationship with our spouse or our children, friends, neighbors, brothers and sisters, coworkers, where agitation comes in. You get frustrated with the politics. You get frustrated with the stuff. Look, I'm just going to be very simple. We could have just done a whole message on it. But if you're mad, if you're angry, if you're upset with someone or something, you have a fear or anxiety underneath that in an area that has not been fully surrendered to God, no matter how anointed and how awesome you and I might think we are. He does this with Peter so Peter will uncover himself to surrender so that Jesus can allow him to live a life of astonishment because if you don't open that up before the glory comes, when the glory starts coming, you misinterpret it. You sleep in slumber. When he shows his glory at the transfiguration, it said that they were heavy and deep in sleep, but when they finally awoke, they saw Jesus' glory. There's an awakening thing that God desires to do that's connected sometimes to repentance or realignment or dealing with that inside struggle. And uh, when it happens, then he, he can say to us, don't be afraid. Man, I've got a fruitful harvest. I've got some stuff that's in front of you that's from me. And then he basically is addressing them, not just sleep and slumber, sin and fear, but he goes, you, you can't move into this next season doing it with your own effort and strength. Humanism, doing it the same way you used to do things. They had to leave their boats their parents, and left everything to follow him. And when God transitions you forward, this is what he does. He makes sure you're surrendered to abiding in intimacy when the pressures and the crowds come, when the frustrations come, and then he clarifies to you this is a kingdom thing. This is a spirit thing. This is a ministry thing. It's not just like what everybody else does. And then from the pressures, you press back, and he goes, I'm preparing 
I'm washing, I'm connecting, I'm putting nets together for a harvest that I desire to draw in and to have you participate in. And then we have to hear the prophetic word. And we have to obey what it is that he says for us to do and the way that he tells us to go. And as we do that, partnerships will form. The obedience of faith is there and a fresh revelation and encounter with God. And we make sure that when he convicts and and convinces us that we let go of anything that we're holding and hindering. What we'll find underneath when we're mad, when we're angry, when we're bitter. Jesus talks about it. He says uh, in in the Sermon on the Mount, his very first sermon, he goes, he's raising the standard. He's going, Moses said this, the law said this, but I say this. And he's going higher and higher so it can only be by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He goes, man, you heard it's wrong to murder. I'm saying don't be mad at people. Don't call people names. And, uh, and he starts, to, our entire nation and culture is stuck in that. And it should never be like that among us. And among us, even with people that hurt us or offend us or we hurt or offend in the body of Christ or in other Christian groups, you maybe have, you know, this person's a Baptist and this one's a Presbyterian and this one's this. Man, if we're, we shouldn't have negative words for all of that stuff. He says, man, if there's an issue with you and them or them and you, he says, leave your gift at the altar. Don't give your offering. Don't worship your song. Go make things right or go at least say to the person what's there. When you do those things, it clears the atmosphere. And I'm saying that because our whole world is doing the opposite. They just raise it political, religious, somebody did me wrong, someone said me wrong. That's the power of the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit to have us love them longer than they can hate us, to have us forgive more than they can offend. And and when that's at the core, God says, I can use that for my glory and not allow pride or humanism or us thinking my boat or my income or my identity that's outside of just following the ark of the Lord Jesus Christ, following the glory and the presence, there's not another way. There's no plan B. This is it. And so I want to encourage you that God has a great harvest, but it's in a deeper place. It's in a deeper place of devotion, development, of intimacy, of partnership, and of learning to cast off the pressures and the spirit of the age and to not isolate but abide in intimacy with Jesus and then divine partnership and participation with brothers and sisters in Christ. And when that's done, the smile of his face and the kiss of his presence doesn't just lift us up in the spirit, it sets the captives free. It's light in the darkness and it's life and resurrection from the dead. That's what he wants. A healthy community cultivating his glory and presence where we're connected with the Lord and one another. We're protected by his presence and power and we're respecting his truth in each other. That's where he manifests, connects, and multiplies. So I hope that this is encouraging to you and helps you in as a community of faith, abiding in the Trinity, experiencing the shared supernatural life that only comes from him. Hope you want to share anything or close this with some prayer. Hey, everybody. Um, Just want to bring in some of the things that he said and just um, 
feel like this is for each of you to take um, for yourselves in whatever way that the Lord would have uh, for it to drop in your heart. But Psalms 37 says, don't fret because of evildoers. And fret, like in the in the natural realm, fretting is when um, when things wear at and wear away at things. And when we fret and when we worry, it wears at us. So his encouragement is not to fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. But God says, trust in the Lord. And so, you know, when we sing about Abba Father, and we need a revelation of him being Abba Father, it's because we need that revelation so that we can trust him. And when we understand that we belong to him, that means we don't belong to ourselves. That we're his. Jesus purchased us for the father. You meant so much to him. The father sent his son for you. So his heart in this season is, is that we're different as his children And that we trust in the Lord. And as we trust in him, we do good. We do the opposite of what culture wants us to do. We don't return evil for evil. We do good. And it says dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. When Jesus pulls away because of the pressures, I'm just kind of thinking if Jesus himself pulled away, because it was too much. And he needed to hear something else. He needed to hear something from heaven. He needed to hear something from his father. How much more? How much more? Do we need to pull away to make sure that that we're hearing what we need to hear? That we can dwell in our land and that we can feed on his faithfulness. We don't feed on social media. We don't feed on everything that the media is telling us to feed on. We don't feed on all kinds of opinions and all the things of the world. We feed on his faithfulness. That's why I love the testimony of what Chip was sharing about what God has done in this place, this particular building, amongst all kinds of believers that aren't even here any longer. Amongst amongst what he's done amongst you and those that are at home right now, that there's a great company of witnesses of the faithfulness of your God and my God and our Heavenly Father and what he has done in the past and what he is doing now and what he is going to do in the future. And he is our Father. And we, each of you, are to feed on his faithfulness. You feed on his faithfulness of what he has done in your personal life. You remember. You remember. He is worthy of remembrance. He is worthy not of our unbelief, not of our doubts, not of our fears. He is worthy to be remembered 
remember how he has been faithful to us. Because when we remember, we can trust. Because, man, when I didn't think it was going to happen for that thing, and then it did, and it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, but, man, he was faithful, then you know what? I can go, I have no idea what it's going to look like. But I know he knows because he's faithful, because he's a good God. And his good doesn't look like what our interpretation of good looks like. But that's why even if we get a prophetic sense or something, we don't have to fully know. That's why we can obey because we're like, I don't know the full picture, but I know this step. So I'm going to commit this step. And that's what the rest of this says. It says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Because when you delight in him, he so expands and he gives you those deeper places so that your heart's aligned with his heart. And then it says, as you get that, then you're going to get those desires and you're going to commit your way to the Lord. And he shall bring it to pass. You step into the fullness of what he has. And he says, he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So rest in the Lord. Don't fret. Rest in the Lord. Feed on his faithfulness. Trust him and wait patiently for him. Because he's worthy. He's our father. He is a good God. He has deeper things for you. I come into agreement with everything that Chip has preached. He has more for each and every one of you. But he wants to encourage each of you individually. Each of you individually. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't worry. Trust. Feed on his faithfulness. Remember. As if he's done it for you in the past. He's going to do it for you today. And he's going to do it for you tomorrow individually and corporately because it's who he is and we can stand strong on that and we can believe in that because he's a firm foundation because he's more real than the ground that we're standing on because he's more real that's who we serve not all the crap that's out in the world not all the different stuff and all the stuff that's going hither thither and yon that's just a bunch of stuff that you're like is that even real is it even true his word is true his character is true his nature is true trust in him and his word take time away to be established in what he has to say for you you do good and you spread the good, and you encourage others to do the same. So, Father, we just thank you so much that you're a good God. You're a faithful God. 
You're faithful to us from the beginning, and you'll be faithful to the end. We commit our lives to you. We commit this church to you and all that you desire to do in it today and in the days to come. We honor you with the deeper things that you desire. Build strength and endurance in your people. Remove the fret and the worry and the fear and the hopelessness and the despair. Because that is not who you are and that is not a fruit of the Spirit. So we come in alignment with your Holy Spirit. And we live in your peace. We live in your surety. We live in your hope because you are the God of hope. And I just release your hope in this place. In every individual heart, the hope for the future, the hope for your plans to prosper. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Chip, anything else? Okay, buddy. Amen. How many of you feel like you, you, you got something, received something today, man, you can just take home and chew on? And I encourage you to do that. It's such, such a rich deposit of truth that uh, Chip and Hope brought this morning. So just want just to let you know that, uh, listen, if anybody needs prayer this morning for anything at all, We'll be up here, Chip, Hope, and myself, and, and anybody else would like to pray for somebody. Uh, we'll be available just to pray with you, agree with you, see, you know, uh, to see breakthrough over your life and things like that. So um, don't forget as you leave, leave an offering for Chip and Hope, okay? A love offering. Whenever we bring guests in, we always want to honor them greatly, highly, and bless them. Never want someone to leave this place not being really, really blessed. And uh, we've always done that. And you guys have been always just super generous in being able to make sure that when when people leave here, they go, wow, I was so blessed by Harvest. So, all right, let's stand up. Let's just, uh, Father, we thank you as we leave today, Lord. Uh, wherever you send us, wherever we go, God, we thank you. We carry your presence with us. And we thank you, God, even today for divine appointments. Wherever we go, God, whether it's shopping or grocery store or to a restaurant or just with our family, we thank you, God, for divine appointments today and divine breakthroughs over and in and through our lives. So we just give you uh, give you all of our love today, Father. We adore you. We love you. We praise you. We are grateful, Father, as we come into this season of Thanksgiving. God, help to just bring our, our mind, our thoughts to the things that we are just so grateful for uh, in our own lives. And so, Lord, uh, just bless each person here, each person that's listening today through our live stream. I just bless every person in the name of Jesus. Amen.